Hello, heads. Welcome back to another episode of DNC in 23. My name is Alex. I am coming to you today to discuss Dead Co's second night at Fenway Park, June 25th, 2023. Night two of two and night six of six, all time at Fenway Park. This was the, the band's last time playing at this old historic venue. Uh, Dave told you last episode that this is the oldest active baseball park in America. Um, I think that's at the major league level. There might be some older ones that, you know, maybe even never played major league baseball. I'm thinking of Cardians Field in Newport is really old. Anyway, that's a complete side tangent. This is an old, historic, very beloved ballpark and a place that has hosted a lot of concerts recently. Three this weekend alone. Uh, Darius Rucker was there on Friday night and then Dead & Co. Saturday and Sunday. So if you were in the barn on Sunday night, you know, they say never miss a Sunday show. And uh, I'm glad to hear that you didn't if you were there. Seemed like a really good crowd based on, you know, the videos that I've seen, reading some stuff online and uh, and just listening to the audience tapes. Uh, Those are already up. And shout out to all the tapers who were in there. I heard that security was not so easy on tapers bringing their equipment into Fenway Park but I'm glad that you made it through there are already I think four tapes up on the archive for this Sunday night show which is tremendously cool I love that there's this community of tapers that are so intent on getting their tapes up the night of the show it really makes it's so easy to be a fan today. You know, you get to listen to the show the next morning. And that's what I did for this one. I didn't have uh, the live stream and I had some stuff going on on Sunday night. So instead, I listened to it first thing this morning. And I really liked what I heard. So let's uh, let's get into it. I didn't have any boots on the ground last night in Boston. My cousin Coco was there on Saturday night. I know that she had a great time. She said that the vibes were impeccable. The crowd was great. One thing that I will say that I did hear uh, in the in the online reviews of this concert is that depending on where you were sitting at Fenway, the Sonics were different. Some people said like, oh my God, it sounded great in here. And the other people were like, I don't know why they don't play these shows in Mansfield, um, a venue that I'm very familiar with personally. The I think it's called the Xfinity Center or something like that, but basically just like another outdoor amphitheater, big old shed um, out kind of in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I get why you'd want to play it at Fenway. It's in the middle of Boston and that's pretty cool. And also they've played enough amphitheaters uh, and they've got some more left on the docket. So I think it's cool that they're switching it up and playing some different venues. But if you had not so great of an experience, either getting through security or finding your way to the ballpark, then I am sorry about that. But I hope that it was not so bad that it, you know, overwhelmed or took away from what, I thought it was a really, really good show. So let's talk about the set list. The band was starting a bit earlier. These nights at Fenway uh, posted showtime was 630 and they had to get off stage a little bit earlier too, because like I said, uh, Fenway is, is right in the middle of Boston. So set one, uh, they opened with Samson and Delilah, then cold rain and snow into Jack Straw, Althea, a tour bust out of comes a time into Mr. Charlie. He's gone and going down the road feeling bad. Good set one. It was an hour and 10 minutes long from seven, excuse me, from 6.38 to 7.48 p.m. And then a 
both nights really tight set breaks uh only 30 minutes for last night before they got into set two but let's talk about uh set one with some more detail so uh, Samson, I thought that Mayer's solo was really great, and I love the little short phrasings that O'Teal was playing underneath. Um, and then, how about your show opening Bob solo? I thought it was a nice solo from Bob. I think that this song sounded really good. Also, you know, Samson is a, the classic Sunday show, or excuse me, the classic Sunday song. So I have no problem with them playing it right off the rip. A lot of people probably had it on their mind, and uh, so I, I like playing it. Dave only listened to the very beginning of the show, but he put a couple notes on our shared doc. So let me share those with you. Dave didn't really like that. They launched right into the vocals on this. Uh, he said that he felt like they missed out on that heart pounding drum intro. That usually is um, what you will get with this song. He said that he felt like it was just more of a check the box exercise Sunday show. Let's get Samson out of the way. And then we'll get into the actual show with cold rain and snow where he thought that Bob and, and, John had more spirited guitar playing. I don't know, Dave. I'm not sure if I agree with that. I thought that this was a nice version, but I definitely did think that the cold rain was better. Um, as far as like, just, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, but I did think that the intro to cold rain and snow was just as good as it gets. Bob and John were so locked in with one another. And this is a song that really suits Bob's rhythm guitar playing because John can't really do it on his own and get that really satisfying layered sound that you want on a good cold rain and snow. So I thought that it, it was just a really nice showcase for those two. And also for Mickey and Jay, there are just great moments of that Tom pounding power that you want in these early, early set songs, like especially cold rain, uh, toward the end during the last chorus, I think that mayor was putting some extra frills on his soloing, which was a really nice touch. And it felt like blues bluesy John Mayer was, definitively in the barn um, early and that made me excited for what was to come with the rest of the show from here uh, like I said they went into Jack Straw which I thought was a fine version and then Althea which is always a great song uh, they they just don't miss when it comes to that one but for me the high point of set one was actually comes a time like I said we have some taper versions already available to us so I'm going to drop in my favorite part of this comes a time really soulful mayor solo that then got back into a really soulful O'Teal segment of, you know, him singing his vocals were just on point during the song. It's super tender and sweet. I really loved it. And mayor's energy with his soloing just matched up with what O'Teal was doing vocally so perfectly. I thought it was a beautiful moment. Um, so let's, let's get a listen to, to what I'm talking about. So after it comes a time, they took that song right into Mr. Charlie, and then he's gone and going down the road feeling bad. I don't have a ton of notes on really any of those three. I thought that it was a fine ending to set one, but just not really a lot of notes. Again, after it comes a time, I just thought that was a, a real high point. And then from there, a, a strong end to set one, but just like nothing that I really felt was super noteworthy that I wanted to talk about uh, during 
during this episode. So set two, um, they were back on stage at 8.18, so only 30 minutes off, like I said, between sets. And man, they came out with the energy. Set two, they love each other into playing in the band, help on the way, Slipknot into fire on the mountain, and then into drums, space, a play and reprise, the second verse of the other one, closing out what they started on night one at Fenway, into standing on the moon, into not fade away, and then a double encore, uh, the weight into ripple. I mean, that's a great second set. Really, I think that if you were there, or if like me, you're listening to it today or tomorrow, or whenever you're listening to it, think that you'd be really satisfied with this second set. So let's start from the top. They love each other with that great zippy 73 arrangement that they've played a couple times now, um, this tour, and they played it once in 2021. It's nice to have that back. They really, really hit this version hard when they play it with this faster tempo. The solo between like the 3.30 and 4 minute mark is just so tasty. And then Comenti's solo a couple minutes later was also excellent, but both I really felt were just kind of warm-ups. They were just priming us for this absolutely stellar jam that concludes this song and that that really opens up the the second set with some theatrics. Um, I noted that that was the high point of the show for me so far. Um, So comes a time, as much as I loved it, this hit that, you know, it's different because this was some real like cooking stuff that they were doing toward the end of they love each other um and and i just thought it was excellent so after they love each other we get into really the big jam suite of the second set beginning with playing in the band so on the um like nugs youtube preview they they let it play like they let us get a lot of playing in the band um during that video as well which was pretty cool it was especially pretty cool because during like the solo, like Mayer's first big solo on playing in the band, they went to this camera angle from behind the band on stage. And you could see that the sun was just sinking behind the grandstand of the stadium. And it just felt like this cool, like natural transition point. Like now they're into the solo on playing in the band. And this is where we're about to get into the more spacey part of the show. The five minutes or so that followed that were really spacey. But then by the end of this track, they really started to gain steam and bring the tempo back up to get everyone prepared, I think, for what was going to come next. They worked it back down, and they kind of had a more slow ending, like just like the last 15, 20 seconds of playing in the band. And then they went into a really tight help on the way. It was just a hair under five minutes long, but they still did find some room to to work on a really nice jam. And then a really excellent transition into Slipknot. They really pushed the tempo down and went out to space like pretty immediately during Slipknot. And it was, I thought it was really satisfying. Around like the three minute mark, the kind of beginning of the middle of this jam, I would say, I really liked these like repeated kind of like droning notes that Mayer got into. And then right afterward, he and Jeff kind of found themselves in this like interesting little two man weave. It started out as like a call and answer sort of a thing. And then it just like evolved beyond that and just became kind of just two great musicians locked in a really satisfying jam with one another. So I thought that that was just really, really nice um, during Slipknot. And then it was cool to hear them take Slipknot into Fire on the Mountain. It brought me back to the show that Dave and I saw in Atlanta because during that show, you may remember 
they played estimated China Rider Eyes. And I was saying to him, like, I would love to hear like some other weird stuff like Help Slip Fire. I didn't realize in that mo- I remember saying that to him on the lawn that night. They've done this before, though, once. Um, they have played Slipknot. This is now the the 51st time that they've played Slipknot. 49 of those times, at least by my count, it has gone into Franklin's Tower, but twice they've done something different. Last year in Philly, they played Help on the Way, Slipknot, China, Rider, Drum Space, Cumberland, Days Between, and then Franklin's Tower closed set two. And then in 2021 at SPAC, and I completely forgot about this, they played Help Slip Fire. So this is actually the second time that they've that they've done this. And I thought it was really satisfying. I love the way that this band plays Fire on the Mountain. And they've been doing it kind of divorced from from Scarlet Begonias more this tour than ever before. Um, and I, I teaser, I'm going to bring that topic back up when we get to Estimated Profits in a little while. But I just thought it was just really nice, uh, this Fire on the Mountain. And then it led nicely into drums. There were a lot of people wondering where Jay was during drums. Apparently he has not been on stage for large portions of drums the last two nights. So if you were in the barn and you have some intel on that about when he left, when he came back, let us know. Cause I'd be curious to know about that. Post space. I always like a post space plan. They always begin it with this like kind of ghastly spooky tone that I really like. Uh, this version's a great example. O'Teal's bass and Jeff's piano largely set the mood, and then John's playing really stands out. It's There's a bit of Santana in what he's doing to me. It just sounds great. And then the tone shifts to something much brighter and more optimistic. It feels like the band is throwing you a lifesaver. You can grab on and get pulled out of the, the turbulent chop and back into safety. And that's really what this one sounded like. They kept it tight with this play and reprise. I like that they closed it out. And then they closed out the other one that they had opened up the night before. Now, your mileage may vary on this. Um, I saw a couple people who were saying like it kind of felt like the show was stuck in neutral during this part. Like they were closing out things that they had played before. It was like going back and you know closing a tab that you have open on your web browser. Um, I can see that. I I you know I get it. But it was cool to hear them. You know, if you were there both nights, then you were rewarded by having heard you know, the completion of this from, from the prior night from the other one, which was like 10 minutes long. I mean, it was a substantial closeout to that song, a really nice 10 minute long standing on the moon and then a not fade away as well. I didn't get to catch the not fade away or the encore, um, the weight and ripple yet. I will definitely go back and listen to them, but I, uh, I wanted to get this recorded during my lunch break. So you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, but I, I did think that the standing on the moon was really nice. There was some talk, um, on Saturday looking at the playlist, people were saying like, I think that Bob is really struggling with his voice. And so they're doing more O'Teal and John songs. And that's why there's been some repetition. Like when you go back the last six shows, there are a lot of repeats, um, and maybe more than you would normally find within a span of like nine days, but I don't know. Bob's voice still sounded pretty good on standing on the moon. It didn't sound super rough. So I think that he's, I think that he's still, he still had it uh, at the end, but I don't know. Maybe it, it was different um, when you were in the barn or maybe I was just, maybe I'm just cutting him a little bit more slack, uh, but I didn't think his voice sounded bad. 
So anyways, uh, double encore is always cool. They haven't done it very much this tour. I think off the top of my head, this is maybe the third double encore that they've done, maybe the fourth. So a nice little bonus for the second night in Boston. All right, so uh, now let's play estimated profits. We are into the home stretch of the tour, amazingly. We have this upcoming show at Deer Creek on Tuesday that we are picking songs for now. And then a couple of multi-night stands in Boulder and at the Gorge and then in San Francisco. And that's it. That's all she wrote for Dead & Co. So nine shows left. uh, And we've got a a tight top of the leaderboard um, in Estimated Profits. If you have been playing along, thank you for doing so. Um, And if you haven't, then feel free to join us. Um, The party still has plenty of time left. And uh, so, yeah, jump on in. Um, if you, if you have not played with us before, you can submit your guesses to us on Twitter at working man's pod or on Instagram at working man's underscore pod. You can send us an email working man's pod at gmail.com. Or if you are a Reddit user, go on Reddit the day of the show and you'll see our estimated profits post. Everyone that comments there gets tracked on our leaderboard. So, uh, without further ado, Dave has first pick for the deer Creek show and he is going with sugar magnolia he said uh he does not believe that they will go five songs in a row without playing it so that is his prediction Uh, and i think it's a good one so i've got the 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 middle picks and uh, my first one i'm going to take peggio the last time they played it was at star lake way back on june 5th so it'll be three weeks in a day um, since they've played it by the time they get into Deer Creek. I think we're due. I think we're due for a pretty Peggio. So uh, that's that's my first pick. And my second pick, I'm taking a flower of a different kind compared to Dave. I'm going with Scarlet Begonias. This tour, as I said earlier, they've been playing more standalone Fires and Scarlets. And two of the times that they've done that, that they've played Fire on the Mountain, they've played Scarlet the next night, the next show. So I think that they're going to continue with that trend and... Um, I even think that they're going to, I'll even make a specific prediction. I think they're going to open the second set with Scarlet. Um, and, uh, and I think that that's coming out in Noblesville, Indiana at Deer Creek. So that's my second pick. If you want to know what Dave's second pick is in Estimated Profits, you're going to have to go over to social media on the day of the show. We'll post it there. Um, and, and then you can learn what he's thinking for their last one night stop as a band. You know, this is the last tour and this is the last place that they're just dropping into for one night before, as I said, more extended stays at their last three locations. Well, that is going to do it for us today on DNC in 23 with WP. Um, Thank you for joining us today and throughout this tour. And um, until next time, know our love will not fade away.